Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven on this Wednesday morning, January 3rd. It's 7 a.m. You're listening to Covenant Network, and I'm Adam Wright, joined by the always bright and cheery, even at <laughs> 7 in the morning after a late, late night, Patty Schneier. Patty, how are you good this morning? Good morning. Well, you know, I'm flying higher than a kite this morning, just being here at Seek. This is another special broadcast, of course, for Covenant Network, live from downtown St. Louis at the Convention Center. Um, and last night was a late night, but boy, was it a powerful one. And I know we're going to unpack that a little bit more this morning. Yeah, let's let's give today to God. Uh, that's the best thing we can do right now. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for the, all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, I, a reminder, with all the exciting things going on this week, it's first Friday and first Saturday this weekend, and that's something I, I don't want to forget. I don't want to lose sight of. Um, you know, it's going to be amazing. We, we've got great opportunities down here to go to reconciliation. Uh, there's going to be Mass Friday morning and Sacred Heart Prayers uh, every first Friday here on Covenant Network. So it's uh, it's going to be a beautiful week. But, Patty, what what a great day yesterday was. Oh, my goodness. Uh, for those of you just tur- tuning in for the first time this week, we're downtown in St. Louis. There's 20,000 people registered between the college students, the adults on the Mickey Missionary Disciples track. There's another three and a half, four thousand 4,000 people coming down tonight for Eucharistic Adoration on top of that. There's 400 seminarians. There's 44 bishops. There's I, I've lost track of how many priests uh, and, and going on. And the, the, the fellowship, the fun that we're having here on Mission Way, great. The, the prayer is without a doubt the best part of it, the sacraments. And then there's some amazing talks. And Patty, I know last night uh, I had more people come up to me after Monsignor Shea's talk, after his <laughs> keynote, to say, did you hear that? Wow, it was amazing. Sadly, I was not able to be there for his keynote, but you but I was. <laughs> were. So here with the, the morning report. <laughs> well, first of all, Monsignor Shea, uh, Monsignor James Shea, he is the president of University of Mary, and they are one of the sponsors of this SEEK event. Um, there are some major sponsors, and University of Mary is, is one of them. And Monsignor um, Shea, gave a talk last night. The dome was completely filled. There was, we're starting to fill the upper circle of the dome that so many people are here. And um, it was funny because the theme of last night was, first of all, we're on a journey of starting about, you know, you are good. And, and then to last night's talk was really, he said, was sin. He goes, I get to give the talk about sin. And he goes, he goes, I don't know what it is. Why do I always get to be, you know, the bad guy, the, the downer? He said, I always want to be, even on, at my own parish, when I'd be at a parish and it'd be Holy Week, I'd want to be, they'd say, Father, why don't you give the talk on Good Friday? He goes, no, can't I please have Holy <laughs> Thursday? You know, so it was hilariously funny about how he was talking about how he's the, the downer guy, the bad guy. He says, I'm Darth Vader. I'm just Darth Vader. Um, but anyway, so he gave this incredible talk about sin and an incredible talk about the rupture and what goes on in our humanity. Um, it was just absolutely beautiful. But honestly, he was just bringing us down and down and down and down. And his delivery is just unbelievable. And then at the end, he just goes, but I can't stop there. And then he just goes into about how Jesus came and saved and rescued us. And that it's not the end. And if we just never, ever, 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 ever give up that with Christ, we always win. Meaning the prize of heaven. If you just never give up with Christ, you are with him always until the end of the age in our own you know, spiritual life here on earth. And then, of course, um, in heaven forever. It was just my whole point was the delivery, the excitement, the energy in that room. He brought the house down and every, I'm telling you 20,000 people jumped to their feet um, and gave him an unbelievable standing ovation and of course it was not about him although he was a beautiful instrument of God last night it was the message it was about the darkness that's in the world it was about how we all have that ache and how yes sometimes when we are anxious about things it is the proper response to the chaos that's going on in the world yeah. and and so he he validated what goes on in the human heart and then of course the remedy the joy the hope was Jesus Christ and how it's bigger than any and all sin. Anyway, I just can't tell you how 
I was I had goosebumps from head to toe. I was sitting next to Father Wick, Father Anthony Wick, um, also just a beloved priest here at the Arch uh, within the Archdiocese of St. Louis, and we we both just couldn't get over it. And yeah. and you left so energized. Um, so and that was just for me the first part of the evening. I got to tell you about the last part well, of the evening. Uh, we'll do that later. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back to that because I know it here, was awesome. One of the other things that I loved yesterday, and this is this is what I love when we we talk about on this show. We've talked about it on the Roadmap Roundup before. We've talked. About about it in segments before, you know, surrounding yourself with good, holy people. And I, and I go back to one of the first pieces of wisdom ever shared with me uh, was by my confirmation sponsor. And he said, you know, Adam, if I, I, I play guitar, if I want to be a great musician, then I need to make sure that I'm playing music with, with great musicians. If you want to be a great electrician, you, you work with great electricians so that you're surrounded by people that call you to excellence, mm-hmm. you know, that are going to call you to the best. And inspire you right. to be better. And and so one of the one of the folks I was talking with last night, who said, oh, not only was his talk great, but there was uh, one of his, his best friends. And, and I know they worked together on formation nationally for priests standing off to the side of the stage just watching one of his best friends give this talk and and, and you you know two guys that know each other the other guy this other priest could have been up on stage giving that talk and he would have done a fantastic job with it they said and his face was just a glow watching his friend give this talk Mm. to twenty thousand people and uh, and i might add not a single piece of paper in front of him no notes no podium i'm telling you he came out and just Stood there bare naked, really, if you want to know what that feels like. I mean, yeah. I've only spoken in front of smaller crowds, but here he is just standing on a stage, doesn't even have a podium to stand behind. He chose not to. Not a single note card, not a single piece of paper delivered it from the heart. And yeah. it was phenomenal. Well, talking about phenomenal things, we've got a lot more ahead on the show today. We're going to talk with some folks from the Lifelong Mission team at Focus. And then we're also going to hear from a friend at Benedictine, uh, Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas, a wonderful place. That's all ahead on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. But first, let's go to Mike Roberts for our weather and our saint of the day. Today is the feast day of St. Telesphore, Pope and Martyr. He established the Midnight Mass, Gloria in Excelsis Deo, and the celebration of Easter on Sunday. This is also the feast day of St. Genevieve. Born in France in 422, Genevieve was the daughter of Severus and Geronica. When she was seven years old, St. Germanus visited her town while he was making his way to Britain. A large crowd gathered to hear him speak and receive a blessing, and while he was speaking to them, he noticed Genevieve. Immediately, Germanus was given an insight into her holiness, and he told the entire crowd that young Genevieve would live a life of great sanctity. Afterwards, she asked Germanus for spiritual direction. He took her to a nearby church and consecrated Genevieve to the Lord. The next day, he confirmed her newly dedicated life by giving her a brass medal engraved with the cross and telling her never again to wear any other bracelets or necklaces. After the death of both of her parents, Genevieve went to live with her grandmother and at the age of 15 left to become a nun. From that point on, she lived a life of prayer, service, and fasting. Genevieve was also blessed with numerous gifts from the Holy Spirit, including visions. However, when she described those visions, many were threatened. In fact, it would take the intercession of Germanus to keep her from being martyred. Genevieve also became an advisor to the king and during a famine asked his permission to help. She took a fleet of boats to Troy and brought back enough corn to feed all of Paris, preventing starvation and the collapse of the city. Later, when Attila the Hun was on his way to Paris, she advised the entire city to remain in their homes and pray rather than flee. Attila abruptly changed course and did not invade Paris. She died on this day in Paris in 512. After her death, many miracles were attributed to her, most notably during the fever of 1129, when all who touched her shrine were healed. St. Genevieve, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Well, we are back, and what a beautiful morning it is. It's, I, I want to paint a picture for you. We're in this giant exposition hall, 
downtown and we're right by the main entrance to the exposition hall where everyone comes in so we're starting to see people trickle in to go to mass and, and rosary and mass this morning but we're also seeing the vendors come in and there's so many religious orders i feel like i need a picture graph of all the habits <laughs> so i can know who's walking in the door this morning i'm just like hi sister hi sister yeah, i don't know beautiful. what order they are where they're from but he- here we are um we're joined this morning by, I, I thought we were going out to L.A. to Mulholland Drive, but we're not. We've got Seth Monholland from uh, Denver area with the Fellowship of Catholic University Students. Seth uh, is a seven years with Focus, first year in lifelong mission. Is that what we were talking about during the break there? That's correct, Adam. Well, good morning. It's great Welcome. to have you with us. Thanks. It's Thanks my pleasure. Thanks for being here so early in the morning. <laughs> Absolutely. I couldn't agree more on the Religious Sisters. People were asking me my favorite spot in the exposition hall, and I was like, well, you have to go to the religious first. Yeah. You have to go see them, and, and it's such a beautiful experience. Yeah. Yes. You know, and, and something else you said as we were getting set up during the break here, I, I want to highlight that I absolutely love about Focus and about this conference. I can't, you, you said you got to do the interview early because you got to go get your kids in child care. And I love that I've seen so many Focus staff here with their families with their kids and you know in the catholic faith we talk about the importance of family we talk about uh all of these beautiful things in family and to see an organization say and your family is welcome here because i can only imagine uh, you know i've been away from my family for a week before it's hard and and uh so kudos to focus for being very family friendly absolutely and that they have activities that are just geared for them and then i also we've also really had a lot of fun with the kids a lot of kids have come to our catequiz here at covenant network and have been playing our catequiz and have been loving pressing the buzzers and spinning the wheels and so it's great they're I, we go back to this conference is not just for college students. It's for everybody. It's, it's for everybody. And that's lifelong mission. That's what it's all about at Focus. So we've talked about this a little bit in the, the run-up to SEEK, but tell us a little bit about what that means. Because when we, we hear Focus Fellowship of Catholic University Students, well, I am no longer a university student. I am still Catholic, and I enjoy fellowship. And there's a place for me in Focus, too. Absolutely. It, it, it's so true that there is... Uh, Focus, the, the, I've been joking with people, and as I transition into this new role, that I've been called to a womb-to-tomb ministry. <laughs> it, it, everything right. from uh, as kids get out um, all the way up until end of life for people, um, because that's who is the Lord's inviting into a relationship with Him. Mm. Uh, so it's such a, a beautiful opportunity to get to be here. Uh, of course, um, Focus was founded as a campus ministry organization, um, and that's really the gold mine. That's, that's where people are probably more available than they'll ever be in their life. Right. Um, true. To be able to, even if the college students I met with wouldn't tell me that they were very available, they don't have the family commitments and they don't have uh, a job commitment. They're trying to figure out their life. So it's a great place to meet and encounter people. But where do they go? After they leave college, they go into a parish somewhere. And that's a big part of the, the shift and the transition to doing more parish outreach within Focus is we, we, we need to meet the people wherever they're at. Um, so this is a great opportunity to, to be able to do that now. I'm, I love being on this new team. And, and I think that speaks to the model that's been developed with Focus over the past 25 years. Um, and, you know, going back to the early days, Curtis Martin, Dr. Edward Shree back at Benedictine. Uh, but really the model predates that. That model goes all the way back to our Lord, that invitation to relationship, that invitation to fellowship, that invitation to prayer. Um, in different ways, we can take what's done on the college campuses through Focus and adapt that to our parishes. And, you know, I, I've lost track now of how many parishes across the country have Focus missionaries at the parish, that was but that my, number keeps growing. Do you know how many Absolutely. parishes? Absolutely. We, we have 23 parishes across the country uh, that have focused missionaries assigned to them. Uh, and there's there's all sorts of differing things. It's one of our biggest needs within Focus Parish is we need more people to be able to answer the call to go into parishes and serve and accompany the staff there, work with the pastors. But right now we're at 23. Which is relatively new, I'm sure, because, again, your bread and butter, not bread and butter, but your main focus has been, of course, on the college campuses. But now you're just seeing this hunger. I know we have one parish. I know in particular. Yeah, right here in St. In Louis. St. Louis. Immaculate, Immaculate Conception, Conception Garden Prairie, Prairie has focused yeah. missionaries. They have focused missionaries. So what does it well, we, we talk about that model. What does that look like when you go into the parish? Um, and, and you're, you know, I, I love this story. We went out to visit Mizzou 
Great, great school here in Missouri. And uh, I met some of the Focus missionaries, and one was saying, you know, he walked up and down Greek Row with pizzas and said, I'll give you a slice of pizza if you agree to let me talk to you about Bible study, right? Uh-huh. I, I can't imagine you do that at the parish. Maybe donuts after Mass. I'll give you a donut if you agree to come <laughs> talk to me about Bible study. But what, what, the, what is the, the nuts and bolts of it? Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're going through some of that myself. I used to give out donuts on Wednesdays. I served at DePauw University in Greencastle, Greencastle Indiana, for six years. We could give out 200 donuts on a Wednesday. Now we could take two dozen and give them after a Monday morning mass. That's what me and my teammate are doing. So there's a, a difference of scale and a difference in because the people in jobs are maybe just not as available. Right. So one of the things that we're, we're really making a, a concerted effort to do is, well, these parishes are usually already decently functioning. Anyways, we, we're not going to co- try to come in and rock the boat. But we want to accompany the people that are already in these ministries and meet them where they're at doing the things they're already doing. Uh, so go into the parish uh, and just meet and love and care for the people that are already there so that we can know we, we're, not, we're not coming in to spread some uh, model or, or do something. It's, it's all about the personal care. One of the parts of the mission statement of Focus is to make people feel known, loved, and cared for by the person mm. of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we just get to go out and be the hands and feet. Now, I, I love that you talk about that's the area that, that of growth right now that, that we need to focus on. 23 parishes, but I remember a few years ago it was just four parishes. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling this is going to become an exponential thing that is more and more people get to become aware about focus. And, uh, you know, it, it's just going to grow. And that's what happens when the Lord blesses things. But you don't just stop there. There's a whole track this week of people saying, okay, you may not have a focus missionary at your campus, so you're going to be the missionary at your campus. <laughs> right. Whether you're an official focus missionary or not, you're a missionary disciple in those same principles of invitation. And that, you know, as you just so beautifully said, that invitation to know Jesus, to know his love for you, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And uh, it can be intimidating, but it, it doesn't have to be. Absolutely. And that you, you mentioned, alluded to the Making Missionary Discipleship track here at Focus a little, or at uh, Seek, excuse me, uh, for a little bit. The Making Missionary Discipleship track, I couldn't highlight that experience enough for people uh, who aren't sure, well, I'm not a college student anymore. Is, is Seek for me? No, the Making Missionary Disciples track is for people of all ages. And you, we real, really get to learn about how there's this focus model, but we just have to have terms for what we do at work. <laughs> There's this greater picture of how evangelization has been happening in the church for 2,000 years, and where do we fit in it? So in the Making Missionary Discipleship track, they're breaking down the papal encyclical Evangelii Nunciandi. So they're going to Pope Francis' teachings and realizing, how do we do evangelization in the modern world? What's important? And, And this is what you could come and spend more time with people from your parish learning about at SEEK. Yeah, and, and, and I wonder with that, too, we were talking about this yesterday with one of our guests, the impact of the, the change in communication. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about this. I didn't have a smartphone 20 years ago. I had a phone that could text, and that was about it. Um, but people still have that longing in their heart for personal connection. And, I, I, you know, I feel so many of us are glued to our devices, but we're isolated mm-hmm. and, and we're lost. And what do you see when, when you make those connections in the parishes and you, you have that personal outreach? How do people react to that when it comes from you and not from Father or from the parish staff, the people we expect to be reaching out? Absolutely. It's so beautiful, and I'm so thankful for it, even just in the short period of time. Uh, I, um, I have a couple of different groups that I've been ministering to and just getting to spend time with in Denver. Um, the first is kind of what you'd expect. I'm a, I, I'd call myself a younger married guy, even if the, the college students at my old campus wouldn't call me young anymore. Um, <laughs> but, but at 31, and I've been married for 10 years, uh, three kids, it's a great opportunity. I get to walk with these newly married couples. Yes. We have a, a group of about eight that are all... Um, probably under 30, no more than one kid, married less than three years. Um, so that's kind of what I expected to get into. But then what I didn't expect was that I've, I've been building up a group of retired men. No way. That are in their 60s. <laughs> With the 30-year-old guy here. <laughs> exactly, right. And it's been so fantastic. I've loved it so much. And um, uh, yeah, I, I, as you brought up the question, I was thinking of my friend Greg. And like we go on bike rides with our pastor because um, he's 
there's a, a great freedom because he has yeah. a great availability. He's not retired yet, but he's close and. And that's so beautiful because in the parish, of course, you're experiencing all age groups, all stages of life, um, and you're able, again, that encounter with them through lifelong mission. I just love that focus is branching out and and seeing the need Mm -hmm. in parishes. And I know that it must be a huge transition for the college students because, you know, when you're on a college campus and everybody around you is in the same age group, and then, of course, you transition as my own kids, we called it adulting. Okay, it's time, (laughs) adulting, right? And And... But it's a hard transition mm-hmm. to the job, the responsibilities, but then also that parish um, involvement mm-hmm. and finding where do I fit in with the parish. So how do you help um, college students make that transition to the parish? Absolutely. I think one of the best uh, things that we could do on a college campus is equip students to know, figure out how to go to a parish because you'll be you'll probably be new right maybe you're going back to your home parish but go introduce yourself to the pastor and say hi father don't give him things he needs to do that you've learned just go and let father know i'm available for whatever you might need and he'll help get you connected he might ask you what you want to do or he might be like we need you to go mow the lawn right now (laughs) there's nobody to mow the lawn you know what though i look at our parishes as families and someone said this to me the other week on the show that in every family, what do you have to do? Chores. Mm-hmm. And, and, and chores. in our parish family, we got to do chores. Well, so. my favorite story is my own son-in-law who was involved at Benedictine in a focused Bible study group. It's so funny. Here he was, 24 years old, graduates, mm-hmm. go, marries my daughter. They go to a parish, and literally, he becomes president of the parish council. He's 25. <laughs> he basically said that. What can I do? Where do you need me? And they're like, we would like you to be president yeah. of the parish. Here he's 25 years old, right? It was hilarious. Not hilarious, but it was beautiful is that's what I should say. fantastic. It was. Yeah. But that's what I know the effect of focus can have, the ripple effect. Mm-hmm. And then just brings a dynamism. Absolutely. I don't know if that's a word. Yeah. Dyna- no, dynamism is dynamism. a word. And it, it's, to too a early for, it's too early for the, the word games, but <laughs> you would get some points on the board for that one. So, yes. Seth, I want to thank you for being with us. We could talk about this all day. We're actually going to talk about it a little bit later, too, with uh, Brock Martin as well on the show this morning. But it's been an absolute joy to have you with us on Roadmap to Heaven. I know you got to go get your kids over to child care so you can get your official day started here at Seek 24. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about a, a wonderful little college out in Atchison, Kansas. And uh, you can guess which one that is. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. Daily Offering God the Father, I thank Thee for creating me. God the Son, I thank Thee for redeeming me. God the Holy Spirit, I thank Thee for sanctifying me. Infuse into my thoughts, words, and actions Thy grace, so that they may be supernaturally pleasing to Thee and supernaturally rewarding to me forever. O Blessed Trinity, Abundantly assist me in becoming that which thou intended me to become when thou created me. For in thy perfection I will give thee the glory thou desirest of me, and in that perfection I will find my greatest joy in heaven. Amen. I'm going to paint a little picture for you. Uh, About a year after I went off to college. A bunch of my friends started going to this college I'd never heard of in a town I had never heard of called Atchison, Kansas. And the first time I went out there and drove across the Amelia Earhart Bridge, where they keep the light on just in case she comes back, uh, I had an amazing experience. I was staying in a dorm room with my buddy Steve, who was out there, and he said, hey, it's Friday night. Uh, we're all going up to the Abbey Church to go to Holy Hour and Confessions, you know, because that's what you do on a Friday night. Do you want to come? And I said, actually, yeah, I need to get to confession. And I said, who's a good confessor? He goes, well, Father Brendan, but let me tell you something. You better sit strategically, and then when they say the lines are open, you better get in line, or you'll be in line all night. And little did I know how long those lines for all the priests were going to be, including Father Brendan. On a Friday night. On a Friday night Typical. on a college campus in yeah. a little town called Atchison. Uh, Benedictine College is a place that's transforming 
Culture in America. They're also the sponsor for today at Seek 24, and we're happy to have with us Kristen Schmerbeck, who uh, works with some of the great graduate programs mm-hmm. at Benedict. And Kristen, good morning. Thanks for Welcome. getting up early to be with us. Oh, yes. Well, thankfully, I am generally an early wi- riser, but I think you guys beat me today. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a big day for Benedictine here at yes. Focus. Tell us about that. We're so excited to be the sponsor today at Focus. We are delighted we are able to have Focus missionaries on campus. There is a great tradition and history between Benedictine and Focus. Uh, it is simply hearing the stories of all the Raven alumni that are here either as working, some of them have Catholic mission trips, some of them at right next door to us at the Knights of Columbus booth, as well as all of our students currently here. Mm. It's just a fantastic witness to the vitality of the church here. I heard you brought over like 300 students, I think. Or oh, goodness. I would have to check with our campus. No, you were one I of the keep, top two we schools. We keep running into, I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, I don't think I recognize every one of these Benedictine students. I mean, I'm pretty new to the college and already it's just been a fantastic witness. I like, like you were saying, Adam, the Friday night you walk into perpetual adoration, you're like, oh, it's like nine or 10 o'clock. There'll probably be just one or two people here. There's like 10, 12, 15 college students mm-hmm. on a Friday night with yeah. our Lord adoring him in, in the Blessed Sacrament. I the mean, o- it's just a powerful witness. The other thing I learned is you do that, then you stay up and you hang out with your friends and you go to Daylight Donuts at three in the morning. Like that's a, a <laughs> rite of passage, <laughs> apparently. Yep. Um, and I, I did it. I made, I made it to you that as it. well. Oh, but that's better than me. <laughs> you know, th- th- this is one of the wonderful things, Kristen, when we talk about uh, education, we talk about Catholic education. Um, it's, it's one thing to say we're, we're Catholic because we have the sacraments on campus. We have... Uh, prayer on campus. We have Bible studies. It's another thing to say, we're going to go out and we're going to live our Catholicism in everything we do. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that, that's where Benedictine caught my eye and had me saying, I wish when I was looking at colleges in high school, I, I would have looked there. But you've got programs for people that have already completed their undergrad that you maybe want to go get their master's and they want a rich Catholic experience, a classical mm-hmm. experience. So tell us about some of the new things you've got going Absolutely. on out there at Benedictine. Well, It is such a privilege and a grace to work at Benedictine College. They take transforming culture in America seriously because they know it's not simply about helping build this community while our students are on campus. We have to extend it out further. And more and more, we're getting requests all the time for, I want to study at Benedictine for my graduate education. And so what we're doing right now, um, President Minnis and everyone at uh, Benedictine understands that education is really the key to transforming culture in America. And so we need to help our educators. We need to help those who are going back to their K-12 schools. So many times I hear students saying, yeah, I went and, I went back and taught at my high school or, or I'm back at the elementary school in my town. And it yes. is such a transformative witness to those young students, those young minds that the, our Benedictine grads are going to serve. And so what we're doing now is we have two new programs in classical education, the Masters of Arts in Classical Education, and the Masters of Arts in Classical Leadership. And these are meant to help this growing renewal that we're seeing across the country in classical liberal arts education, not only in our Catholic schools, but even in our charter schools, a number of Christian school movements. And we are wanting to contribute to the formation of those educators to really help understand the foundation of our human nature that is both faith and reason. Mm. We can't simply just form the mind and be only about academic excellence. It has to be embedded in the entire culture. Education has to be fully embraced by Jesus Christ. It's so true. If you want to influence culture, you teach teachers because then mm-hmm. they go out right. and influence Absolutely. the next generation. Now, you, you keep using this word classical, and right. when I think of the word classic, I'm like, I, I play in a cover band, so I'm like, oh, that song. that, that, that that's, song that's is a, a classic, classic, right? You know, <laughs> I, got, I got a friend here, his last name is Massick. We call him Classic, classic Massick. Massic. He's been doing ministry. He's a Benedictine grad as well. Um, but what does that mean? When we talk about education and we say classical education, that's a very specific term, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's different than what maybe I went through in the classroom when I was in high school, or what kids are going through today, but more and more we we hear a classical school. A classical school. Classical liberal arts education is what we're really going for here. So classical in a sense of, first of all, going back to this great deep Western tradition, right? We have been asking these great questions since well before the time of Christ, Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, all of them were asking these deep human questions. What is the good life? Who am I? What is my purpose? And then what happens is Jesus Christ enters into time. 
and he he gives us the fullness of truth. Mm. And so classical has both this Christocentric component as well as this deep rootedness in the intellectual tradition, which is our human tradition. Yes. So it, it is fantastic in the sense of we are really talking about something that the Catholic Church understands fully and completely. And has done for 2,000 years of forming the whole person. That's what I always go the, back yes, to. Yes, exactly. Exactly. The whole human person. We are, right, We this is back on human nature. This is why this is so countercultural right now is because we are having this argument about human nature. And And what does it mean to be human? human. What does it mean to be human? Can we even define men and women? I mean, we're going back to questions. You're like, we thought these were done deals. Um, And we're going to keep teaching them that they are because it's part of who we are as human. God made them in his image and likeness. God made them male and female. And so if we're in the image of God, God is Trinity, right? So so we have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We have memory, intellect, and will. And we need to form all of those holistically in the classroom at all times. I love yeah. it. Well, I, I would love to talk about this all day, but we we, uh, we are time limited on our morning show. I wish we could just have like a four-hour show need, today. We need a half that, hour that just be, with Kristen. That would be great. <laughs> She's but just getting started. Yeah, Kristen, if, if our <laughs> listeners want to learn more about this, where can they go for information? Absolutely. So go right to our Benedictine website. Um, honestly, it's been coming up on Google. People are saying, I was like, how'd you find us? Well, I was looking for a master's of arts in classical education and it popped up Benedictine. So check us out on the website. We have these two master's programs. We have, we have three other master's programs and we hope to add some more. So we'll have, check us All out right. on the web. Best well, way to get in touch. Well, go Ravens. Go Ravens. I'm a Raven mom. Go. And so I can't thank, thank you enough for the what Ravens you did. The Ravens are my doing family. amazing yeah. things in the world. Thank you both for having yeah. me today. It was such a pleasure. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned for more. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray, O God, who did instruct the hearts of the faithful. By the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit, to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. amen. Our Lady, seat of wisdom, pray for pray us. St. Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. Our own guardian angels and patron saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You know, when we, we put Roadmap to Heaven together, I went out and got all this music. And this is, I always think of Ray Garendi, <laughs> who you hear on the Ray Doctors. In, uh, and, and whenever he's on the show, uh, we, we play this, and it's like Ray's with us. But Ray's not with us this morning. Brock Martin is back with us. Brock was on the show just uh, about a month and a half was, ago uh, via Zoom. And I'm so glad we can sit down in person. It's great to have you with us. This is awesome. Thank you for the yeah. opportunity. Now, Patty asked me a question I didn't know the answer. When you, when you talk about focus and you hear the name Martin, which is a common last name. Of course. You have to ask. But any, I had to ask any, any relation to any Curtis relation Martin? To Curtis That's right. Martin. Yeah, I'm his oldest son. So I've been working for Focus uh, for 11 years now. Really happy that you guys had some people from Benedictine on. That's my alma mater. Graduated there in 2013 and awesome. have been a missionary since. Yeah, so you've Ravens. just grown up with Focus like in your blood. You know, it's, yeah, it's wild. It, Focus was founded when I was eight. That's awesome. And so awesome. I've kind of been around it, but it, it actually took Focus missionaries while I was at Benedictine to get me to that point where I was actually able to make Jesus the center of my life. You know, I, I never stopped being Catholic, right. but to be a missionary disciple, it took missionaries walking alongside me. Wow. And yeah. I think that's really important because everybody knows a, a child growing up with, let's say, a, a family where evangelization is huge. They still have to make that same journey, the yep. same walk, and make the decision on your own. It's not like you're watching your dad every day at work of what he does at Focus. Totally. And you're just a kid. You're just growing up in the family. But then when you encounter it on your own, you're like, wow. Yep. Yeah. No, and incredible. that's the principle. God, God doesn't have grandchildren, right? Yeah. <laughs> like you have to make that decision for yourself. And now as a father of three myself, I'm, I'm realizing, yeah, I've got to get them to a point where they can make that decision also. Exactly. I think of this dad. I know Stan. Stan's one of my favorite. He's a grandpa now. But uh, Stan once said in, a, in an interview he was doing a, that he – played college football and he looks at his job as a father is the same way he was the blocker you know his, my job as the dad is to block all of the other stuff out of my kids way so they can get to youth groups so they can get to mass so they can get to all of these good things and uh grow and be holy because at the end of the day 
they have to make that personal choice. Now, um, Brock, one of the things that we're talking about today is the Making Missionary Disciples track, which has been rocking and rolling since Monday night. And uh, these are the folks that, as Seth was telling us earlier in the show this morning, um, you know, focus isn't just for college students. You can go out into your parish right now as an adult, and you can be a missionary disciple, and you can do these wonderful things. So you're involved in that track. Tell us what's been happening there for the past few days. Well, man, my goodness, it's unbelievable. So the conference as a whole, there's like 20,000 plus people here, but of that crew, over 2,000 of them are parishioners. They're adults who are recognizing that these principles of win, build, send, of divine intimacy and authentic friendship, that that actually applies to us at all stages of our life. And, and within that mission, Making Missionary Disciples track, over 1,000 people raised their hand and said, I actually want to get trained. Can you teach me how to give my testimony? Can you teach me how to lead a small group? Can you teach me how to invite somebody to make Jesus the center of their life? And so that's what's been happening. We've got all these people who are, who are hungry, who are learning, uh, and it's really exciting to see the energy. And I heard there's a waiting list. There it's is, not yeah. even, I mean, you guys are maxing out. Yeah, well, we, it, it was crazy. We, we tried this last year. And uh, this year we had, I think it's like 80 plus percent increase of people who, yeah. who were excited about it. And so the, we actually didn't have a big enough room. And so there is a waiting list. There was, the, the, we're obviously letting people in and there's kind of standing room in the back of the room. But uh, the room is packed, lots of energy. It's, it's really exciting. And, and, and you know, that, that speaks, I think, to the how a great thing word of mouth builds and totally. spreads. And we were talking about that at the end of last year as we were packing up. Can you imagine being two years in a row in St. Louis? How many people are going to go back to their parishes, go back to their friends, go back to wherever and say, this is coming back next year and you're going. You're getting in my car. I will pick you up. I am taking you there. We are going together. And then you see that 81% increase. like Patty said earlier in the show, that we're filling the fourth level of the bowl of the arena of the dome here, which, uh, you know, wow. I I, I never would have thought that, but I'm not surprised now that we talk about all these good things happening. Yeah, you know, Adam, I was with uh, Brian Miller, who's the director of evangelization for the Archdiocese here. He's he's here in attendance, and we were talking yesterday. He said last year there were about 2,000 people from the city who showed up. And that number's over 4,000 this year. So to your point, it's, it's everybody who was there last year, and they went and they grabbed a friend, which is exactly yeah. what you want to see. Yeah. yeah. And Absolutely. tonight, everybody's coming down for Eucharistic <laughs> Adoration to have that encounter with our Lord. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a couple thousand more people. And it's just like, praise God. And, and we, we pray that it doesn't end here, mm-hmm. that this is just the beginning. This is the spark that ignites a fire of evangelization here in St. Louis. You couldn't be more right. I think in Focus, we talk a lot about the little way of evangelization. And what you see here is the big way. This is yeah. the conference, the big stage, the, you know, the talks to people that you don't know. But the, but the bread and butter is imitating Jesus and, and getting deep with a few. And that's the little way of evangelization. And that's really where you see that multiplication happen. The big way is great. You know, you have a lot of energy and there's lots of really exciting things, but it's the little way. It's, it's getting into people's lives and really knowing and loving them. And that's what I think Focus does so well. But you have a way, I will say, just as um, just my second year being down here for this event, and I was one of those of telling people, you have got to come to this. I'm telling you, you'll, you'll go home with so much hope, and you'll be inspired, and you'll see the future of the churches is on fire. They are Praise on fire. God. And then they go out. And that ripple effect is just so beautiful. So I'm... I'm just so glad that Focus, yeah. that we were privileged to have this right. two years in a row here. That yeah. ripple effect in our archdiocese and in the Midwest is huge. Praise God. Yeah. Now, Brock, I think of one of my, one of my favorite passages, I think, of uh, John 9. And, and people that know me know that I love this. And John 9 is just one example from the Gospels. You have the man born blind. Jesus heals him. He goes and he tells everyone. And they're asking him all these questions like, well, how was he able to do this? Why was he able to do this? All these deep questions. And, and his answer is so simple. It's, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he did it. I just know that he did it. And I, I can't keep it inside of me. That's one of the things you're talking about is the power of our own witness. Like it's one thing to say the church teaches or you need to follow this or you need to do that. But to have that ability to say, here's what God has done in my life. And I can't keep it inside. I just want to share it with you. Um, we all have that story, Absolutely. I hope, and, and, and be finding the way to say that that's an important thing to spend some time on. No, Adam, you're hitting the nail on the head. I think that in our, you know, our culture today is so polarized and there's, there's so much going on on the Internet. And I think we, we obviously need good intellectual arguments. But in a, in a culture that is just riddled with relativism, people can't argue with your story. 
they can argue with the with the intellectual arguments and you know well, what's true for you is true for me. But what they can't argue with is this actually happened to me. My my life is different today than it was yesterday, and and I think that's such a powerful witness. And people are hungry for that. Yeah, wow. I think too. It comes down to I'll never forget when a woman um, asked me, and she was not a woman of faith. She just said to me one day, "What is the source of your joy?" And then when you tell them, they're kind of taken aback. Oh, you know, they were expecting something else, right? My mm -hmm. career fulfills me or I've got a great family, whatever. But when you just kind of say, well, it's daily mass, it's the Eucharist, it's yep. whatever. They, they just, it is. It's an answer that they cannot argue with. No, and I think that's because Jesus answers the deepest questions in our hearts, right? Mm -hmm. Things that our career will never be able to, to answer. Things that uh, the amount of money that you make or the power that you have or the influence that you have, those will never answer the deepest questions in our heart. Who am I? Why do I exist? What's going to make me happy? And so I think when, when people do kind of pick up on the fact that you've got a joy that's inexplainable, mm. yeah, and there's you, something that, that they, want, they want that too. Yeah, they do. It, you know what I love? It's that because God is the fullness of truth, you know, not just the knower of truth or, or a purveyor of truth as some of the other false gods are, you know, and the, the other ways our culture is like, well, Catholicism, Christianity, it's just one way among many. No, I am the, the way. I am the truth. I am the life. The truth isn't afraid of being asked questions. I don't understand this. I don't know why this is. I doubt this. So, you know, I think of the centurion, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief, you know. Jesus isn't afraid of our, our hard questions. And that's part of our story, too. It, it, it's, it's not all sunshine and roses. And it's saying life is hard. Marriage is hard. Raising children is hard. Staying faithful in this culture is hard. And God's right there saying, yeah, and I'm ready. Bring it on. Bring Absolutely. it bring it to me. So, Brock, it has been a joy to catch up with you again. And I know you've got a busy day here uh, it's it's a it's a banner day. So thank you. I was going to say you're giving a talk tonight. At the, I am. So I get track. to. I'm helping the all those folks that raise their hands to get trained. I'm going to help them learn how to start a small group from scratch, and so walk them through some vision, but then also some practical steps. You know, we've been doing this for a lot of years, and just to share, hey, these are things that work. These are things that have worked, uh, and so I'm really excited to share that with all these folks. Well, I, thank you for doing what you do. Yeah. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. So don't go anywhere. We've got, we've got more show. We're going until 8.15 again today. And we'll be back after this. Prayer to the Blessed Virgin. Oh, Mary, you desire so much to see Jesus loved. If you love me, this is the favor which I ask of you, to obtain for me a great personal love of Jesus Christ. You obtain from your Son whatever you please. Pray then for me that I may never lose the grace of God and that I may increase in holiness and perfection from day to day by that grief which you suffered on Calvary when you beheld Jesus expire on the cross. Obtain for me a happy death that by loving Jesus and you, my mother, on earth I may receive the reward of loving and blessing you eternally in heaven. Well, the morning just keeps moving along here on Rolling. Covenant Network on Roadmap to Heaven. It's a special week broadcasting live from the Seek 24 conference in downtown St. Louis, You know what, Adam? There's Missouri. just so many people that we want to have on. We just, you know, there's just, it's, people there, are just walking I, in and waving. There and are so many just, people that we know here. Yeah, it it's, is. It's a great You know, we reunion. keep talking about how we're right by the Archdiocese of St. Louis booth, but we're also not too far away from another favorite diocese of mine, the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois, who has a rock and roll booth. And we had Bishop Paprocki on with us yesterday afternoon. Uh, you know, the Franciscan Sisters of the Martyr St. George. Walking in. Uh, one morning, of my favorite sisters. religious orders out there. Uh, <laughs> and Sister Mary Carolyn is always a joy to speak with on the radio. Um, there's just so many people we love. And let's keep going here. We are incredibly privileged to have one of the speakers from Seek 24 with us this morning. And that is Simone Riscala. And it, it's good morning to you. It's so great to have you here here all right now you Simone you're giving a talk on something that as we look around the world I when you when you told us the title of this talk I was like praise God someone's talking about this that's the epidemic of loneliness and we've kind of alluded to that a little bit on the show this morning that how many of us are walking around with our phones mm -hmm. even though we're scrolling through Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or, or YouTube or we're texting 8 million people we feel like you know we're in an age where we are connected with more people than I could ever imagine. 
I was doing my annual culling of the friends list on, on Facebook the other day, and I'm like, 800 friends, that's too many. We've got we to gotta get that down. We're con- I'm, but we're connected with thousands of people, and yet our culture, so many battle loneliness. Tell us about this epidemic. What does that look like in the year 2024, and what do we need to know? I mean, the statistics are staggering, and you mentioned a symptom of that epidemic, which is overuse of social media and looking to social media for connection. But social media often doesn't foster authentic human connection and flourishing. So what ends up happening is instead of connecting people more, it's actually making people feel more isolated. What's staggering to me is the connection between the epidemic of loneliness to the so-called gender dysphoria transgendered movement. So Mm -hmm. that has, you know, increased, especially in girls. So it's not just the youth, but girls in particular who are affected by this epidemic and by the the trans movement. So, you know, in a poll recently, 70% of young Americans said that they don't feel like they have anyone to relate to them. Mm. Uh, that's a staggering number. And it, and it, and it makes me think of um, Joseph Ratzinger, Pope Benedict, who said that we are a century, and he's talking about the 20th century, not even now, of people who are characterized by being incapable of relating to God. Mm. So as our culture becomes more secular, incapable of prayer, incapable of leisure, it's not surprising that the levels of loneliness have skyrocketed. And, And Mother Teresa is, you know, said when she visited this country, the United States, what we're talking about in particular, that she'd been to many poor countries, but the most poor was the United States because of the spiritual poverty of loneliness. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And we don't tend to talk about loneliness as what is the cause of perhaps our sadness or our anxiety or depression. Loneliness, you know, we we put our finger on many other things, Mm -hmm. outside things, but loneliness, just even that that's the title of your talk, it's like, wow. Um, Why, what led you to dive deeper into this and and that you're now one of the keynote speakers here (laughs) at Focus, um, you know, um, and, and how did that, come yeah. about in your life. Yeah, well, I wanted to ambush uh, both of you with a bunch of statistics, but I'll just give you one before I tell you what happened. Half a million children in American pediatrics, half a million children are flooding emergency rooms every year with emotional and mental mm-hmm. breakdowns. Oh. There's nothing we can do about that apart from planting spiritual and cultural seeds, right? Yeah. What and, and that's what the physicians are saying. What are we supposed to do with all these kids, right? This is not a physical problem primarily. This is a spo- an emotional and spiritual problem, but what led me to it is because, um, you know, your wounds become your weapons. I think Dr. Bob Shute said that. Yep. And I, I'm a child of, of immigrants from Cairo, Egypt. So I thought my own feelings of isolation were because I was a child of immigrants. And then I realized it was Western culture that was so consumeristic and materialistic and so spiritually poor wow. that was leading me to not actually have authentic connection with people. So then I became, became very interested in this Wow. Well, I love your title because your title is not just the epidemic of loneliness. The title is two parts. Tell us the full title of your talk. (laughs) Yeah. So it's the epidemic of loneliness and the Eucharist. So talk about two extremes Um, because the Eucharist is, of course, the remedy to the epidemic of loneliness. But there's a lot of in-between work that we have to do as the church to yeah. bridge that gap. You can't just tell someone, oh, you're feeling lonely. Well, go, go to go, the Adoration Chapel, can't. go to Mass. You, you can't, know. you can't, exactly. Yeah. So wow. that's, my, that's my task in the talk is to, is to bridge that gap. Wow. You know, I, I think about this, and I, I, as a parent of a teen, some tweens, and some younger ones, um, we're, we're fighting that question of all my friends have a phone. Mm-hmm. All of my friends have this app, or all of my friends are on this, and... Uh, you know, we, we were talking about Ray Garendi earlier here on the show, mm-hmm. and Ray's a good friend, and you can hear him every day on Covenant Network. And he told me the statistics about how many, you know, I think it was three years ago, he told me, your son at that age, my oldest, you know, maybe 50% of his friends have a phone, 50% don't. But by the time he gets to eighth grade, if he doesn't have one, he'll be in the 5% or less. Um, and it's one of those things, it's like, I don't want them on social media right. because I I want that out of our house. I want to close the door exactly. and say, no, I am not setting you up for isolation. I am not setting you up for failure. I want every interaction you have to be a, a human interaction. I Amen. want you to have to, you know, you want to call someone on the phone? 
by all means, pick up the phone and call someone. Yes. But you're not getting on that app. You know, and, and that's one of those things I wonder with the rise of social media, with the rise of all these electrical things. You know, if, if we looked at all this data that you have, are, are all the, the lines going in the same direction on the graphs? Like more phones, more loneliness. Right. You know. Right. Uh, I mean, there was a TED Talk that I can't remember who gave recently that said that one of the goals of the youth was to figure out how to have conversations with people. And wow. that, that, that was a goal of this certain demographic of youth because wow. they had been so used to only communicating through Snapchat or, you know, and they're in, incapable of having just normal human conversation. Wow. Wow. So, so go bring us to the Eucharist, though, and how you yes. said you're going to try to bridge that gap. What are some of the things that you want to encourage people either to do or ponder or things that we can, our listeners, even in our own families, right. um, who will not be at your talk tonight. I don't want you to give away the talk, obviously. <laughs> I know you can't do that. But give us some, give us some sense of of this remedy. Yeah, I think before we can become the sort of people who truly are disposed to receive the Eucharist in, in an efficacious way, that true union, right? We have to, on, on, a, on a prerequisite level, have to become less busy. Mm. We have to create that space. So it's not just getting off social media so that I learn how to talk to people, but it's getting off social media so that I become the sort of person that can hear God's voice. Yeah, it's hard to hear God's voice when you're dead scrolling. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Before I can kind of offer my life and my sacrifices and be in union with them and ask for healing and receive the Eucharist in this like ideal, efficacious, worthy way, I at least have to be the sort of person that knows the voice of the shepherd. Okay. I'm getting this overwhelming sense that we just jumped off a diving board into the deep end. And before we hit the water here, because I don't want to interrupt the answer to this question, (laughs) um, we need to do our station IDs. So let's stop and do our station IDs right now. And then while while we're doing the free fall, and then as soon as we splash into the water on this answer, we're going to go to the end of the show. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We'll be right back. Prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. All right, we're back, and we're we're diving deep with Simone Rascala on this epidemic of loneliness and then the remedy, our Lord in the Eucharist, and uh, we're about to splash into the water. And and right before the break, we were talking about it's not enough to just say, okay, get off social media. It's about making time. It's about uh, making time space in our lives to be less busy, to be less quiet. I, I don't know about you. I'm the kind of person that on my calendar every day, I have blocked out 1130 a.m. to 1 p.m. It says lunch, but it's really lunch and catch up on other things because if I don't, I'll just keep working mm-hmm. and working and working. And then about 330, I'm like, I don't feel good. And I don't know why. And then I look back and I'm like, I haven't had lunch today. I'm like, my, my blood sugar's low. If that's the physical of I didn't eat lunch, I can only imagine what's the spiritual when we're not blocking out that time on our schedules. And it's not about I'm going to find the time. It's about making yes. the time to be less busy. So, Simone, take us back into the deep waters here. How do, we, how do we get less busy? How do we make this space? And then how do we use that to go deep with our Lord in the Eucharist? Yeah, I love what you said about if that's how I'm feeling physically, feeling that gap you know, how am I actually feeling spiritually and emotionally? And we're oftentimes not in touch with how we're feeling spiritually and emotionally. We've, we're a culture of addiction. We've numbed it. And I think the temptation for Christians is that we numb it with really great things like Catholic things. And then that gets tricky too. And I remember when I first started working, uh, for the church, um, I thought, okay, don't delude yourself that just because you're talking about God or about prayer, that you're actually talking to God and actually praying. Be mm. aware of that because the evil one will use that, a really a bunch of good things to right. keep you away from the thing or the God thing. So I think being aware of that is, is super important. But like you said, you have to carve out the time. You have to be intentional because no one is going to help you become a leisurely person. No one will help you. The culture will not help you. It will find every single way 
to get into your time. Same with friends, family. Again, these are important, good things, but we have to be selective and we have to be choosy about the friendships we're going to invest in and the people we're going to spend time with and the books that we're going to read. And it, it, it's emotionally uncomfortable. Our bodies kind of have to get used to not being so busy because we're so used to it. We're going to have to get used to people maybe judging us even thinking because that we get rewarded for being like, oh, I'm so busy, you know, but I think Christians shouldn't say that. Yeah. I think it should be scandalous for a Christian to say I'm busy. I, I think back to my junior year of high school, I went on a Kairos retreat at St. Lucie High and my he was my freshman English teacher, Mr. Tom Chemelier. He was one of the adult leaders on the retreat. And actually, this was my senior year. I was a student leader, and my job was to get up early and wake everyone else up. So I'm up, and I go downstairs, and I find that he's sitting in this beautiful uh, hallway with floor-to-ceiling windows looking out over this beautiful garden and courtyard with a cup of coffee, just sitting in a rocking chair with a cup of coffee and absolute silence, no book, mm-hmm. no anything. And, and I asked him, I said, Mr. Chemelier, what are you doing? And he said, it's just this time to just be. Yeah. And I grabbed a cup of, uh, of hot chocolate. I didn't drink coffee at the time. And I sat down <laughs> three chairs away from him. And I just sat there. And, and ever since that day, I'm like, I need this yes. in my life. And now that transfers to not the coffee in the floor-to-ceiling windows, but the, the coffee in the floor-to-ceiling, no, actually no coffee, the floor-to-ceiling love of God exposed in the Blessed Sacrament in the chapel. Well, the other thing is we're just sitting here having this conversation. I'm just struck by the parallel between, you know, you're talking about loneliness and, and the epidemic of it, and yet I don't think most of us realize that busyness is actually contributing to loneliness. Yes. I think so many of us would think that if I'm lonely, I must need something more in my life. Mm-hmm. The old image I have of loneliness is someone who has nothing in their life. Right. And now it's almost you're telling us, the opposite or what we're seeing in young people is that this loneliness is a different kind of loneliness, but it stems from busyness. And I, I, I got to be honest, I'm sitting there going, oh my gosh, as we're starting this new year, what a new year's resolution this would be for so many of us who are on that busy treadmill. Yes. That, okay, maybe my goal for the year, maybe my resolution for the year is to actually say, I want to be intentional about being less busy. Yes. You're smiling as it, I, I say it. Yes. <laughs> it's the key to everything is what you were saying about, uh, you know, with, with your, your professor, your teacher, ha- just sitting there being, you know, having a good sit. You know, having a good sit is important. And, and by the way, so much of the lack of creativity in this culture stems from not having that mental and emotional space. Yeah. Ironically, Steve Jobs talks about conceiving of the iPhone. This is a funny comment because of social media, but conceiving of the iPhone on a walk when he was doing nothing. Did he have this creativity? But what you're saying about uh, the busyness, the irony is that, yes, because we are so incapable of relating to God. We are so incapable of hearing God's voice that what do we do with that space? We busy it up as a form of avoidance. Yeah. And mm. that, that is actually the vice, it's the contrary vice to leisure, which is sloth or acedia. Yeah. One of the extreme forms of that is workaholism, the, is the, busyness. The Fathers wow. of Mercy have this great chart on their website. If you go to fathersofmercy.com and in the search bar type uh, seven capital vices and their corresponding virtues mm-hmm. or, or something along that, and they have the, the vice, the virtue, which is in the, the via media, the middle way, and then yes. the extreme opposite. And, right. And I remember hearing about that. And I think you've brought data into this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nerd <laughs> out here for a moment and bring, uh, and bring, bring it, Newton bring into this. And Newton's laws of motion, that an object in motion we'll wants in to motion. stay yep. in motion. And I know every time with the radio broadcaster, if I've been asked to go give a talk somewhere, or if we've got something coming up with just the kids, if I don't make the time to stop, and sometimes you know that means walking away from my desk to another part of the building where there's a big comfy chair and just sitting there and people are like, what are you doing? I'm stopping. Right. It, it's like that wheel. If you don't have the brakes, it's going to take a long while for that wheel to slow down and come to mm-hmm. a rest. And we have to be intentional about that. Um, so what's the fruit of this you've seen? I mean, you've come on, you, you said yourself, you thought, you know, well, it was that I was a kid of immigrants, but no, I realized this and you've been putting this into practice and not just talking about it, but 
doing it. How are you different today than you were 10, 20 years ago? Well, she's not that old. First of all, she's beautiful. Our <laughs> listeners cannot see this. You are young. <laughs> young and gorgeous. So you can't toddlers say, are busy, well, Patty. You can't I have, say 20 I years ago. He, he can, but, you know, maybe I'll just let him say that. That's fine. I don't me. have the data on everyone's age exactly. today. Simone and brought the data. Wants, if, if she wants to err on the young side, we will. You are I will young, allow. girl. But um, <laughs> I will say that, in fact, it was uh, first, the, the, as a youth, the disconnect of how come I'm only in two extra extracurricular activities in high school and everybody else is in 15? Am I a loser? So there was mm. that question of human dignity of am I being truly judged by, I mean, high school, 3.8 GPA, pretty good, you know, mm-hmm. to, in the student council, in campus ministry, in theater. Is that not enough? But it, but it wasn't in America, and it isn't, right? We have to keep proving ourselves. So think about how much the church is an advocate of human dignity. If we keep being rewarded for all the achievements instead of the ability to be a sort of person to be, what is that really communicating? Not, not just we're talking about it, but what is it incarnating to us in community? I think recently the, the fruit for me has been the ability to actually be attuned to the human person in front of me. Because for so many years, I'd be talking to you, but I'm thinking of something else, preoccupied. And we have this wonderful story of the parable of the Good Samaritan, the one who noticed mm. what's, what was really happening in reality and able to respond to it. We can't really perceive what God is actually doing, what Holy Spirit's actually doing, if we're too preoccupied in our mind, in our mental space. So for me, that has been the most recent fruit is this ability to be a better listener, to be more attuned to who's with me, um, and to hopefully bring dignity to that person by my attention to them, which I think is not a bad fruit. No, it's a beautiful (laughs) fruit. I'm loving it. Okay, are you giving, this is a keynote talk tonight? It's not a keynote, it's a breakout. A breakout. Breakout. What time are you giving this talk? 3.15, 3.15, 3.30. It's a keynote radio segment this morning. That's, <laughs> that's what so, it is. I'm so excited that you are our guest this <laughs> morning. You. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I can't help but think of that uh, that passage, what does it profit a man to gain the riches of this world but yes. suffer the loss of his soul? So you could have all the stuff. You could have the full schedule. You could be busy, 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 busy. But what good is all of that? Um, you know, as we like to say, memento mori. One day you're going to die. Yeah. You know, that, that is guaranteed unless the second coming of our Lord happens in your <laughs> lifetime. But even in that case, you're going to be judged. And what does it profit a man to gain all of these uh, bells and whistles that the world throws at us if, if spiritually we're dead inside? Um, yes. Simone, this has been absolutely amazing. And I, I look forward to hearing your talk. Thank you. Um, I, and we've we got to have you back on the show to talk about this in the future. So stick around. I, I want to get your contact information for after this. But, you know, one of the things I would ask all of our listeners today as we wrap up the show in, in these final minutes, we've got 20,000 people here, as you've heard us say over and over this morning and this week. We've got another couple thousand coming down tonight for Eucharistic Adoration. Even if you're not one of the ones coming down for the conference or for Eucharistic Adoration, can you pray for everyone who's here? Mm. And can you pray, think of one person in particular in your life. Be very, let's talk about being intentional. One person in your life, you say, you know, that's a person who I think might be struggling with loneliness. And start praying for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and then as we said, Make some time for yourself. Patty, I can't let this show end without you sharing, you know, what you do, which I know isn't practical for everyone. But give us the 30-second the version of your morning routine when you're not at seek. Mm-hmm. Because you talk about making space. you got to hear what Patty does here. Well, it's just, you know, I'm a very, very busy person. But in my, my life, I love to, uh, from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock every single morning. And again, this is a privilege that um, I'm an empty nester right now. So I'm at a stage of life where I can do this. But 8 a.m. Mass, and then we say the rosary, and we say the Chapel of Divine Mercy. And then I walk right over to our Eucharistic Adoration Chapel, and then I have a holy hour. And I just spend that time with God and it's till 10, 1030. And any appointments, any friends that want to meet with me, I'll say, can we do a 1030? And, you know, if I got to go to physical therapy or I got a a dentist appointment, I just try to make my appointments 1030 or 11. I do my errands, everything else after that, that eight to 10 for me. 
That's my time with God. Give, give the first fruits to God in our tithes. Yeah. Give the first fruits to God in our day. And I mean, if you're saying, well, I work. There's no way I could do 8 to 10 every morning. Okay, well, what about when you wake up? Can you wake up 15 minutes earlier That's how it to started give God for me. 15, yeah. minutes 15 minutes of prayer? 15 minutes is how it started. Can you set that alarm clock 15 minutes yep. earlier? And, and I love how St. Jose Maria Escrivá talks about that heroic moment when the alarm clock goes <laughs> off, um, that if, if you can conquer that first temptation of going back to sleep, <laughs> You can conquer a lot through the day. And, you know, <laughs> sure. it's like, is it sinful to hit snooze and go back to sleep? Probably not. But it's, a, it's an opportunity to say no to comfort. It's an opportunity to say no to uh, some physical benefit and just to give that up and say, Jesus, I'm going to choose to get up right now for you. And I'm going to choose that over the comfort of the warm covers. So that's what's going on. Um, tune in this afternoon. We're going to pray here in a minute. But I want to remind everyone we're doing special broadcasts tomorrow and today at 4 o'clock right here on Covenant Network. We're going to have some more folks from Seek. Um, if you didn't tune in to yesterday, you've got to go find the podcast, especially of the afternoon show, to hear the story of Michelle DePong, a former Focus missionary. And uh, we were able to with her parents and uh you know patty we, we'll talk about it this afternoon we didn't get to talk about There's it this just morning. so much There's patty, patty so was much. in tears last night after watching this <laughs> this documentary about michelle DePong, and you're saying who's that tune into the podcast roadmap to heaven wherever you get it and and listen to yesterday's broadcast about that but let's uh let's pray and let's simone let's let's pray for those who struggle with loneliness and i i, I want to turn them over not just to our lord in the eucharist but to the blessed mother and, and we pray in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen and blessed mother we just ask you to accompany to to cradle in the arms of your love all those who struggle with loneliness help them to see the the love of your son the joy of your son the joy of communion and the joy of communion not just with him in the eucharist but with the church and and with our community of faith we lift this up to your intercession as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mother, Mother of God, God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Mary, Mother of the Eucharist. Pray for Saint us. St. Joseph, terror of demons. Pray for us. And St. Jose Sanchez del Rio, patron of this conference. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in to this extended edition of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright. And I'm Patty Schneier. And we have loved being with you this morning. We'll be back with you at 4 o'clock today. Until then, pray for us. Pray for the Seek 24 conference. And most importantly, pray your rosary today. <laughs>